Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we take happiness from the abstract to the concrete. This week we'll talk about why you might put a band-aid on it and how to persuade a reluctant spouse to do more work. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, the four tendencies, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, I was talking about you at lunch because I had lunch with our founding producer, Henry Malofsky, and we were very sad you weren't there with us. Oh, that's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And yeah, Gretchen, I miss Henry. I know. As great as all of our producers have been. Um, I I do miss Henry because he held our hands through those first (laughs) shaky months. Yes, yes, yes. Um, And before we launched in, we got an update from our listener, Amanda. Yes, she says, I wanted to share that I love the gift of the podcast you offered this year. I have four printed out as gifts. And of course, I've gifted your podcast to one of my friends. That's good. That's terrific. And again, if you want to get the gift certificate, um, go to giftofpodcast.com. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes if you want to give the gift of a podcast to one of your friends. Yeah, at any time of year, not just... Any time of year, yes. Any yes, birthday. even though the holidays are over, yes. you can still give the gift of podcast. Yes. Also, I believe it was mentioned in an episode last year about doing a ta-da list for the year. I did that for some work items last year to help put in perspective all of the great things I accomplished. I've taken that list a step further this year. As I was thinking about gifts for this year, I decided to use this ta-da list as a gift for my boyfriend. I think he forgets all of the hard work he puts in toward his own soccer coaching and working for a local club team. I decided to make a ta-da list and put it in a frame so he will be able to see all of the wonderful things he's done in 2018. I think it is one of the most thoughtful gifts I've given and it's free. Yes. What a nice idea. I think this is great because I think sometimes people work hard and as she says, they they lose track of how much they've accomplished or they might feel like nobody notices. And just the fact mm-hmm. that you're like, wow, look at everything you did in this year. I think it'd be very, very satisfying. It's something that would really, really make you happy to look at it. And the fact that somebody had put, pulled it together for you, um, it'd be, it's such a thoughtful, thoughtful idea. It really is. So good one, Amanda. Yes. Now for the Try This at Home. And Elizabeth, this week you have an idea for the Try This at Home. So what is it? Yes, it's put a Band-Aid on it. Now, this is intriguing. Now, what exactly do you mean by that? Okay, well, if you have something that's causing you pain and you feel like you can't fix it on a deep level, Mm -hmm. you can at least put a Band-Aid on it. Uh In other words, you can acknowledge like what it is and you can say, I can't make this go away, but I can grab a Band-Aid and just keep the blood off the furniture. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just the idea that you know, we can't always go deep and fix everything, yeah. but sometimes we can do something on the surface to make it better. Right, right. So look for that Band-Aid and look for like, what's the small kind of quick, easy fix that I could do? Yes. Um, so like, do you have a, an example in your mind of, uh, of uh, the kind of thing where a Band-Aid might work just fine? Well, I was thinking about this because a lot of people have problems with their in-laws. Luckily, I have great in-laws. I absolutely love my mother-in-law and my father-in-law and all my uh, siblings-in-law. But a lot of people don't feel that way. And I, one thing I've thought as I've listened to people discuss this problem is, 
like if you're not ever going to be able to really fix your relationship with your mother-in-law, you can at least like have a pleasant relationship on the surface, you know? So if that means just being polite, if that means indulging her when she wants to rant about something, um, if that means many people discuss how their in-laws give them gifts they don't want, like even though they say, please don't give us gifts. If you just go, you know what? They're going to give us gifts. I'm not going to be able to fix this. Let me just take the gift, say thank you, and have it roll off my back. That's what I would call putting a Band-Aid on something. Deciding when you get a gift not to be mad and to just smile and say thank you, that to me is a Band-Aid that could be a very effective Band-Aid, even if it doesn't fix the problem of the fact that you really don't want the gift. Well, I think this is exactly right. And I think it's a great way to think about it because I think it's easy for us sometimes to get discouraged because there's like some big problem or some big personality conflict or something and you can you want to fix it and it seems insurmountable and and the fact is a lot of times really you can't fix it there's you know it's just not realistically going to get addressed but when you think of the band-aid it's sort of like okay well is there some simple means within my grasp that could just let me be happier and move on from the situation you know just get through it with a minimum of fuss And and not kind of try to do this deep work. Yeah, because it's like not everybody in your life is going to want to engage, you know, on that level. And so some things are just better at the surface. You know what I mean? Just like I think a boss sometimes is another situation where this could help out. Like very likely your boss isn't going to want to sit down and have a three hour discussion with you about all the things that he or she is doing wrong and how they could treat you better (laughs) and how you could really fix the problem. But if you think of sort of a Band-Aid for yourself of how to get through dealing with your boss, then you'll be happier. Right. Well, and the thing is, the fact is, in a lot of situations, especially like if you're in a job where you're kind of moving around periodically, sometimes things just fix themselves, like, or they just change, um, or they heal, you know, sometimes they actually do get better or get fixed. But, um, you know, I think sometimes from a desire to kind of be authentic or or, or Mm -hmm. achieve some kind of vindication, like, I need to make my mother and father-in-law understand why I'm right and they're wrong about the way they give gifts. And it's like, you you want that, you keep probing, but it it just kind of makes it aggravates the situation instead of... um, You know, because a lot of times people want to have the, like, do the inner work, but you can't always do the inner work. Um, Right. And so this is like, well, what's the outer fix? Yes. But, you know, I I don't want to say that it's true in every situation. I think that sometimes a Band-Aid is not a good idea because sometimes Mm. it's just a temporary stop and it's not satisfying. And it is a circumstance where we really need to push ourselves to really engage with people or really come to the bottom of a conflict. So I wouldn't say this is something that always works. It's just something to be aware of because sometimes people feel like, well, I need to fix some some big, deep thing. And I'm reminded, um, so I was was doing a book event about the four tendencies and I was sitting at the table and this mother and daughter, grown daughter, came up to me and they were like very animated. They had this problem. The daughter had a problem and the mother was like, can you help her? Can you help her? And so the, the daughter was an obliger and she's like, and the mother was like, and her house is so messy. She can never have anybody over. And I keep telling her she needs to clean it up and she just won't. And like, you know, what can she do? And, I, you know, and they were sort of talking about all these different things. And um, and I looked at them and I said, have people come stay for the weekend. Mm. And it's like, you don't need to fix your personality. You don't need to like, ha- like do right. some gigantic personal transformation. I'm just saying, if you have people come for the weekend, you're going to clean up your house. And it was clear from their right. reaction that they were like, oh, yeah, 
that could probably work, you know? And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's the Band-Aid. Like, that's the quick, right. easy. It doesn't fix why she yes. never wants to clean, but it does get the house clean. Yeah. And so to me, this this reminds me, you know, several episodes ago, Lisa, we talked about the idea of making life more complicated. And we were saying that's something mm-hmm. that we don't do. We don't have that urge to make life more complicated right? when life is already complicated. But for some people, that's a really useful way to think. And I think this is also, it's a tool. It's like, it's not always the right tool and it's not the right tool for everyone, but it's good to remember that it's a tool in your toolbox. Right. Because sometimes all you want to do is just grab a Band-Aid and slap it on. And like, and yeah, move on. Yeah, it's what you always say that the opposite of a truth is also true. Yes. So you could say put a band aid on it, or you could say don't put a band aid yes. on it. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, so I but think, in this case, we're talking about putting a Band-Aid on it. Right. Remember that that's one of your options. So let yes. us know if you two tried this at home. And like, what are the circumstances in which putting a Band-Aid on a situation mm, really yeah. worked for you or didn't work for you? Um, yes. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes for this episode. This is happiercast.com slash 204 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, we've got a happiness hack for all of you who want a little more me time. But first is break. Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. Because everyone's different, Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyze your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers, so you have all the support you need to empower your change. Gretch, you know, I love Noom. I love all the tools it has, especially the step tracker and the weight tracker. I rely on those every day. Yep, you don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash happier. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash happier. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash happier to start your trial today. So, Lisa, I love this happiness hack. I think it's a delightful happiness hack. Yes, it comes from Krista. She says, every Tuesday after work, my husband and I have Me Time Tuesday. It's our night to do whatever we individually want without feeling the pressure of what we should be doing or needing to check in with each other's schedules. Sometimes I go see a movie by myself that I know my husband wouldn't enjoy, or I may go to a coffee shop to catch up on my blog. I might go shopping. Some weeks I make a dinner date with a friend I haven't seen in a while. And some Tuesdays I simply go home, pour a glass of wine, and take a bath. You won't catch me doing laundry on a Tuesday. We call it fend for yourself, which often means I'm eating a bowl of cereal for dinner and my husband can decide he wants in and out at 9 p.m., No to-do list, no responsibilities. We found this to not only be a source of happiness, but it also helps prevent us from feeling drained or frustrated later in the week from always being on the go or not getting time to recharge. This is so fun. This is really fun, and I think it's a good example of, um, and this might not work for Rebels because it's about scheduling, but they might embrace it as identity because it's something they want. But for a lot of people, you know, 
if something's important, put it on the calendar. Make a place for it mm. on the calendar. And if you need mm-hmm. to schedule time to goof off, schedule time to goof off. And I think this is great. They have the night and they're like, I'm goofing off. You're goofing off. We don't have to coordinate. Like, it's just fun. Yeah. And they, it sounds like they don't have kids, but if you do have kids, you could either pick different nights. So, you know, you've got Tuesday, he's got Thursday or every other week. Right. Um, could have, be your me time. Right. One person has me time Tuesday one week and then the next week it's, it's me time yeah. Tuesday. Um, and I think it's great to sort of be both be doing it so that both of you feel like you should do it so that the other one can do it. I can imagine with two obligers, um, uh, or with an obliger that it, it would sort of feel like, well, this is, t- I'm just doing this for myself so it doesn't get done. But it's like, well, I need to do what I want to do so the other person feels like they can do what they want to do. Because if I'm yeah. busy doing laundry, then they're going to feel like they can't goof off. So this only works if we both respect the Me Time Tuesday spirit. You know, we owe it to each other. Yes. Gretch, this would be great um, for Adam because he loves going out to get massages because he, you know, is always having a headache. And whenever he asks, can I, do you mind if I get a massage? I'm like, sure, go ahead. But he feels guilty and half Mm -hmm. the time he refuses to go because he feels too guilty. Mm -hmm. And if he just knew, oh, me time Tuesday, on Tuesday, I can go get a massage and not feel one bit of guilt for leaving Liz, you know, to put Jack to bed. Right. I think he would be much more, you know, psychically unburdened. So I love this idea. Well, I think this is great. Thank you, Krista. That's a, that's a terrific approach to like... Getting that me time, Tuesday or whatever Mm -hmm. day of the week. Um, And now it's a four tendencies tip. I'm obsessed with the four tendencies. I love talking about the four tendencies. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what we're talking about with the four tendencies, take the quiz. Go to quiz.gretchenrubin.com. 1.7 million people have taken this quiz. It's free. It's quick. And you will find out if you are an upholder, a questioner, an obliger, or a rebel. I'm an upholder. Elizabeth, you are an obliger. And we're hearing mm-hmm. from Brad, who is a questioner married to an obliger. Yes. Brad says, my wife is a regular listener of your podcast and is often referring to your four tendencies categorizations. She's an obliger and I am a questioner. We have a great relationship in general and both always look after each other. However, I do have some trouble trying to convince her to do some certain things, primarily financial related, but not always. A classic example is changing her phone plan. There is a service provider which offers better coverage, more data, and a lower monthly price than her existing provider. However, she, quote, never gets around to changing. Mm. I've tried encouraging her, getting her to set a deadline, making a list on a list management app, but largely without success. She acknowledges that it would make sense to change, but just doesn't implement the action. I could easily do it for her, but I'd rather have a process or different way of looking at things to get her to take ownership herself. It would be great to hear your opinion on other techniques that may be more successful when dealing with an obliger like my wife. Oh my gosh. What do you say, Gretch? I have so many thoughts. Okay. First, I want to say he's a questioner and this is so questioner because what's he's talking about? He's talking about efficiency. What is best? Mm. These are arguments about reasons. Why, 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 why? He's very distressed that she's got this inefficient, like not the most economical Mm -hmm. plan. So remember, those kinds of arguments are very compelling to questioners. They don't always move other people to action, as we see here. Okay, so first of all, he is coming from a very questioner place. Second of all, make the observation. 
sweethearts don't make good accountability partners. Mm -hmm. Obligers need outer accountability, but sweethearts count as inner for most people. They do not make good accountability partners. That is why this questioner is not acting as a good accountability partner with his encouragement, trying to get her to make a deadline. The app isn't working. For a lot of people, apps work. For a lot of people, apps don't work. So these accountability structures are not working for her. You know, and it's funny because um, when you talk to a questioner, the way they often try to get people to follow through things is they give the advice that works for questioners. They say things like, Uh. you need to get just clear on what you want. You need to focus on motivation. you got to take ownership Mm -hmm. for yourself. Like, that's what he says. Doesn't work with obligers. Obligers need outer accountability. But it has to rise to the level of something she even wants to be accountable for. Well, see, Elizabeth, I think you've put your finger right on it. It doesn't sound to me like she cares. What do you think? Right. Doesn't sound like it. It, it sounds su- like she's just yesing him. Yes. Yes. I think this is an example of like, maybe you should just mind your own business. Maybe you should right. maybe you shouldn't worry about solving other people's problems because they don't really care about it. Now, she just doesn't seem like she thinks it's a big enough deal to worry about it. So it's bothering and him, but it's really her problem. Right. She doesn't really want to solve it. And what I will say, because I've been in this situation with Adam before, where he wants me to do something like change a phone plan or install software of some kind. Yeah. And I'm just like never going to do it. And yeah. he's realized that. <laughs> so he'll say, give me your phone. Yeah. I'm going to do something on your phone plan. Or he'll yeah. say, you know, what's your password? I'm going to install something on your computer. Yeah. Because he has learned that. I'm just never going to do it. Right. It's just never going to happen. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. So um, if he wants it to happen, he has to do it. Otherwise, he can just, you know, not worry about it. For instance, like he can control our whole house from his phone. Yeah. You know, it's ridiculous. He can, you know, the temperature, the 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 pool heater, the um, the music. He can do anything from his phone. Yeah. I can do nothing from my phone and I don't care. And right. he's accepted that. Right. Well, I think and I think that's something that you can say to somebody, and I've started doing this with Jamie, is I just say to him, to be honest, that's never going to be a priority for me. Uh-huh. That's just me saying like, yeah, I'm just not going to do that. And then it's like he can do it for himself because he wants to solve this problem or he can. Um... Now, the problem is with a married couple, if one person's wasting money or is perceived to be wasting yeah. money, then it's sort of on both of you. So then maybe you're like, well, it's bothering me that this money is being wasted. So let me fix it. Now, if she did want outer accountability, just to give a couple things in case she yes, does want outer yes. accountability, one thing she could do yeah. is think about her future self. Like in six months from now, when I like tally up how much mm. money I could have saved, I'm going to be really annoyed mm-hmm. with myself when I realize that this money has just been frittered away. So you could think about the future self. You could join the Better app. You know, I have this free app. Um, you know, if you just search in the app store for Better Gretchen Rubin, and there's all kinds of accountability groups for anything. So if she wanted to create an accountability group for like, People who have like a one-time annoying task, like, let's all just get through this. You know, like, let's all do power hour together or something. Or she could decide who gets the money that she's going to save, like, and and tell them to Mm, expect it. Like, she could say something like to her local library, oh, I'm going to, you know, at the end of the year, I'm going to, we're going to donate X number of dollars. And then it's like, where do we get that money? We're going to get that money from the money that we save. So that you have this feeling that someone's waiting for that money. That's um, a good idea. If she really wants it. If she really wants outer accountability. Yes. Yes. So I think this is a very common problem. Good luck. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) very common. Yes. Very common. Both ways, all genders. um, Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Brad, I would love to hear the like chapter two. So if you feel like uh, sending sending us kind of like then what happened, um, we would love to know. Keep us posted. Keep us posted. Okay, Melissa, we have a listener question, and this is interesting. This is an interesting pairing 
um, with the four tendencies tip because this is also an obliger questioner pair, but we're hearing this time from the obliger. So before it was the questioner mm-hmm. having an issue with an obliger. <laughs> now it's an obliger having an issue with a questioner. Yes. And this comes from Kristen. She says, I am an obliger and my husband is a questioner. He's not taking the quiz, but he's definitely a questioner. And this means that when something needs to be done around the house, cleaning, cooking, packing school lunches, you name it, I end up handling that task. I've gotten to the point where I'm so overwhelmed that I just can't handle all of it on my own anymore, especially now that we have two kids and I've picked up new responsibilities at work. I've tried asking my husband for help, but his response is always some version of why does this need to get done rather than an offer to help. Knowing that he's a questioner, I've tried explaining why something is important to do. If I don't pack lunches for the kids, they won't have anything to eat at daycare, etc. Even when he agrees with my reasoning, he won't help. Instead, his response is to tell me to do it later or not do it at all. And in some cases, that's not an option. You can't put off school lunches forever. In cases where it is an option, I've stopped doing things, but I am still drowning in household to-dos. Since we don't have money in the budget to hire help and we don't have family that can pitch in, what can I do to get some help around here? So I think there's two things going on here. One is related to the four tendencies, as Kristen points out. And then I think one is related to one of my favorite subjects, which is the problem of shared work. Um, Mm. Now, so for the four tendencies, I would say if you're married to a questioner, questioners tend to be responsive to ideas of like justification, fairness, and customization. So what you might do is say, let's sit down, let's look at all the tasks that need to be done over the course of a week or over a month, and let's think, what's the most efficient way to handle these Mm. things? Like, how do we do it so that let's take into account everything? Let's think about like, what's easier for me to do? What's easier for you to do? What are you better at? What am I better at? Like, what takes a lot of time? What doesn't take much time? What has to be done every day? What's like sort of like a big but less frequent task? And let's come up with something that's really customized to us and what we need. And let's think of the most fair and efficient way to do it. That will often be compelling to a questioner. So it's not just this ad hoc throwing out these arbitrary deadlines. It's there's a plan and that it's something that both people have kind of accepted as being sort of, you know, this is the lay of the land. This is the plan that works for us. And it takes into account everything that needs to get done. Right. And he can participate in deciding what makes sense, which will make sense to him. And Gretchen, I have to point out, he may do more than she thinks he does. Yes. You know, she's seeing what she's drowning in, but he may be feeling like he's drowning in the things he does. And, you know, many couples sort of tacitly have split up a lot of tasks. Yeah. And it just human nature that you don't realize what your spouse is doing. It seems like they aren't doing anything, but right. actually they are. So he may be feeling that, well, I'm doing so much. How can I do more? And right. you don't think he's doing anything. Right. So if you come up with this big list, then sort of everything gets taken into account. Um, but then I think there's the problems of shared work. Now, I will post a link to the post that I wrote about shared work. And I love this because it's one of the things that I, like everything I've written, this is one of my favorite things because I'm really, really interested in shared work. So here are the points I would make about the issues related to shared work, the hard truths that we all have to accept. One is what you just said, and that's called unconscious overclaiming. And there's all kinds of research showing that we do this all the time, that we notice what we do and not what other people do. And so if you add up what everybody thinks that they're contributing, it always adds up to more than 100% because people think they're doing a bigger percentage of the total work than they are. So there's Mm -hmm. unconscious overclaiming. Another thing is that work that other people do sounds easy. I mean, Mm -hmm. how easy is it to give a baby a bath? I mean, that's not that hard. 
You know, right. like how hard is that? Right. Well, pretty darn hard. Pretty darn hard. Um, and so yeah. work done by other people, it sounds easy. And so um, it's easy for people not to realize what goes into something. But here's another thing that I think is really, really important to remember. When you are doing something, it's easy to think that other people should appreciate it or do appreciate and feel that they should contribute or help. This is often not true. And the people who care the most will end up doing something, right? And so mm. if you care, you're going to end up doing it because you value more. This is a particular issue with questioners. I would say for my observation is somebody married to a questioner because a questioner is always like, why do we have to do it at all? So you might be like, mm. somebody's got a vacuum. Right. Why? Why do we have to vacuum? Why do we have to vacuum right now? Why don't we vacuum once a month? Why are we vacuuming at all? Like, wow. like I don't care if we vacuum. I don't notice if we vacuum. Like, it's like, or you're like, we need to clean out the basement. We never used the basement. Why do we need to clean out the basement? To, to, wow. to, to that person, it legitimately seems like make work. And they're like, well, uh -huh. do it if you want, but I don't want to participate because like, why should right. I? And so when he's saying like, let's do it later or you do it, maybe what he's saying is I don't accept that this needs to be done at all. Right. So this is not the school yes. lunch problem. This is like, you know, the bathroom in the guest room needs to be cleaned out. Why does the guest room bathroom have to be cleaned out? Why don't we wait until we have a guest coming? Like, we mm -hmm. could just clean that thing yeah. once a week for the rest of our lives, or we could do it three times. You know, I mean, right. so part of it is that there may be just the both people do not have the same value system yes. in terms of what needs to be done. But here's the hardest thing to do, which is if you do not want to do a task that is not mm -hmm. assigned to you, so you're going to go through this thing and decide who does what, don't do it. Mm, don't yes, do it that is hard for people if you don't want to do it don't do it if it's somebody else's job don't do it and if you no, say it's hard to say that with your kids lunches <laughs> it's hard to so maybe you don't pick that maybe you take that as one of your tasks because right. you're like i really couldn't let that go but like newspaper recycling mm. i could let that go two three months you know, mm -hmm. because it's not my job. It's not, my job. It's not my job. But the thing is, if you're constantly rescuing somebody or like racing it at the last minute and fixing it, that works fine for that person. Like then they're not experiencing the consequence of that thing not getting done. Now, it might be that you all discover, hey, we don't need to do this at all. Then you're just saving yourself work or else it's somebody else's. But if you're constantly picking up someone else's slack, they're not going to be they're not going to be eager to change that situation. But here's the other thing that's hard. If somebody's doing something, don't over control. You got to let them do that work in their own way, mm, in their own time. Yeah. And so maybe the thing about the school lunches is like, you like to have the school lunches ready the night before because that just gives you that feeling of like everything's fine. And if we have, we're racing around in the morning, we don't have to worry about it. And like that just gives me a feeling of calm. And so I like to have them done the night before. But then somebody else is like, I like to do them at the last minute. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, well, if that's that person's job, they get to do it in their own way. The fact that you take yeah. kind of an aesthetic pleasure or that it's better planning in your mind to do it, it's like they got to do it their own way. Either you do it in your own way or they do it in their way, but you don't get to be the boss of the world, sadly. Yes. And then, you know, arguably with something like school lunches, you could let it happen. And then right. what, it's for that person to deal with it. I don't know. I mean, depending on the situation and like how long the school day is and stuff. But this is really, really hard to do. Yes, it's a thorny one because everybody has this whole shared work issue. Everybody yes. thinks At work they too. understand what everyone should be doing. This is yeah. not just a marriage thing. This is a friends thing. This yeah. is a family thing. This is uh, a work thing for sure. This is a volunteer thing. Shared work is hard. Well, I'm very curious to hear how this goes for Kristen. So Kristen, <laughs> let us know. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. Coming up, I give myself yet another thank you note related to merit. Uh, but first, this break. 
Okay, listen, it's time for demerits and gold stars. And in the continuing saga of the thank you note, you've got a demerit related to thank you notes. I do. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is with me and thank you notes. Some childhood trauma, obviously. <laughs> but one of my volunteer things I do is at school, I, um, I'm one of the people among many who email other people about giving to our school's annual fund, right? To mm. nudge people to say, hey, please give. And then once the person gives, I'm supposed to understandably write them a thank you note and say, thank you for giving to the annual fund. It's very simple. They give all of us the notes, the blank notes and envelopes at the beginning of the year. Um, so we have them ready to go. You just have to, you know, write the note, address it, send it once the person gives. And I've had many of my families give, but I have not written one thank you note. And some of them gave in September. So we're talking a long time. Mm. And this is part of my job. So I'm like, oh, I'm mortified. Well, why is it that that is not enough account? I mean, you wrote the initial letters, though. Which yes, in a way wrote, seems like the harder oh, yes. task. I think maybe because they email and they say, please write a letter by Friday to all of your families. Ooh. So I have like an exact deadline. Mm. And then I'm like, oh, God, I have to finish this by Friday or I've done a, you know, I've been yeah. a bad girl. Um, so I get it done. But then the thank you note, again, it's one of those things like without a deadline, it's just please do this, but there's no exact deadline. Mm. Um, I just haven't gotten it done. So it's interesting, like maybe just in thinking about like communications generally, if the school had said something like, and please be aware that we expect that every family that gives would receive a thank you note within a week, that would have been helpful mm. to you because that would have set yeah. that deadline again. Yes, I think but sometimes, I can't tell them how to do it. No, no, no. But I'm just thinking for people who are thinking about this kind of communications going yes, forward. Because sometimes yes. we feel like, well, if we give people flexibility, it will be easier. But actually, probably for some people, it makes it harder, you know? Yes, absolutely. That's true. For me, it's much easier. If someone said, oh, look, this family gave, please let me know when you've sent the thank you note. That would be better for me. Yeah. Uh, but of course, nobody wants to keep track of that. Right. So anyway, I need to do this. Maybe I'll say by the end of... Well, let's see. By the end of the month, I should have sent everybody's and I'll just say belated thank you. Right, 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 um, right, right. Maybe put down, like, pick one of your favorite Real Housewives shows and just uh, watch that and sit and do. And, or you say you can't watch any Real Housewives at all until you uh, sit down with, oh and do it with the thank you notes or something like that. Oh, Pair goodness. them. Mm, I don't know about that, but mm, okay. Um, <laughs> but it needs it does need to get done. It needs yeah. to get done. And meanwhile, if anyone um, who's listening is someone who I owe a thank you note to, um, it's coming. Thank you for giving to yeah. the annual fund. It's the coming. notes in the mail. It's coming. Okay, Gretch, what is your gold star? Okay, so I have talked many, many times about my love of libraries. I give every library a gold star. And I have a special love for um, my beloved, um, it's called the New York Society Library. And this is a very old New York City institution. It was founded in 1754. It was actually looted during the American Revolution, um, oh, wow. which I think is a real, um, like, that's a real point of pride. Um, so they have launched this new program, which is available to people in New York City, but it's really available anywhere, which is an e-membership. And e so even if you don't live in New York City, you can take advantage of this. Now, it might be that your own local library would have something like this. So I encourage you to support your own local library, but not every library does do this. And so with New York Society Library, for $100 a year, you get full access to their electronic resources. Mm. 
they have uh, ebooks and digital magazines and audio downloads, but then they also have all kinds of like weird databases, you know, like kind of library databases that you, you know, like interesting specialized things of all kinds. And then they do a lot of events at the library and they record them. And so then you would have access to all the, oh, all wow. the events if you're interested in something. Um, so I will put a link to that. Um, it's the e-memberships option for the New York Society Library. Um, and again, like, it's great to support your local library. So if this is something that you could do, if you can check out ebooks from your library, you could do it through there. But for people who don't have that as a ready resource, this is really a terrific way to just open up a vast treasure trove of electronic resources. And, you know, $100 a year on a one-way, you're like, wow, that sounds like a lot of money. But on the other hand, you're like, wow, you know, you could really, really get good value for that. So I give a gold star to them. Um, they are so focused on trying to spread a love of libraries and a love of reading and a love of learning. And I think this is a great opportunity for a lot of people. Right. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Put a Band-Aid on it. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thank you to our producer, Bob Tabador. And thank you to everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like the show, as always, please be sure to tell a friend. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. And please rate and review us. It really helps other people to discover the show. The resources for this week, if you want to get my uh, 21-day Outer Order Challenge and more, more freebies, you can get them if you pre-order my new book, Outer Order, Inner Calm. So you can pre-order the book in any format. I just finished recording the ebook. Uh, I mean, the audiobook. And you can pre-order the book in any format at any retailer and then fill out the form at outerorderinnercalmbook.com. I will post a link to that in the show notes. And then you can get access to the pre-order bonus materials. Um, if one of your resolutions is to read more in 2019, mm. you can get my list of my 81 favorite works of children's literature and young adult literature um, at GretchenRubin.com slash resources. How I love that list. I love every book on that list. And also, if you want a moment of happiness, you can sign up for my Moment of Happiness newsletter, and I will send you a quote uh, five days a week into your inbox, a little quote about happiness or human nature. And that you can get at GretchenRubin.com slash hashtag newsletter to sign up for that or to update your subscription preferences. And again, all these links will be in the show notes, so don't worry if you uh, can't remember what they are. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us Onward and Upward. Gretch, speaking of Band-Aids, did you know they have personalized Band-Aids? Oh, my gosh. There's personalized everything now. I love that. I know. We should do happier Band-Aids. Oh, my gosh. We should. Absolutely. That is the greatest idea. Let's do it. Mm -hmm.